You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Wednesday night, as we're recording, Thursday morning, if you're dedicated as you are listening. And uh, it's a little late for me over here, so I have to be remotely quiet. Hopefully not get too excited here during the mailbag, but it is a mailbag, so we got some good stuff that we're going to get to. Um, Lots of, I mean... I shouldn't say lots of news. Like there, there's typical spring stuff. We'll get to a little bit of that. Scott, is there anything that has stood out particularly over the reports coming out of spring? Uh, a couple surprising names. Davion Prim's names bubbled up more than expected, I'd say, which we have a nice running back question coming up in the mailbag. So we'll get to that. Um, no, not too much. Like you said, typical spring stuff. Uh, a lot of non-contact jerseys a lot of guys banged up already which according to mel tucker is to be expected in the second week of spring practice i think it's the second week um but causing some depth issues if you if you can call them depth issues in the spring at certain spots we'll reach that in the mailbag as well specifically talking about the offensive line a little bit later um yeah and then you know typical praise that you never really know if take Davion Prim, for instance, you know, we're hearing things about how much better he is. You you never really know if that's like, okay, he sucked when he got here and he's like kind of okay now, or if he's like, uh, you know, mentioning a guy like that as somebody who you expect to have a breakout season this, this fall. So plenty of uh, staring at the tea leaves from 10,000 feet and uh, trying to guess what it means, but uh, yeah, just enough to uh, wet the whistle and keep, keep things interesting. Right. And it's funny, like, you know, we're not at practice, full disclosure, but the people who are able to get availability at practice, they're there for the first 15 minutes and like 10 of those minutes are stretching. So, (laughs) you know, just just take everything you hear with a grain of salt from uh, from media folks who are at practices and, and trying to glean, you know, who's in the starting lineups and stuff like that. But uh, no, it's that time of year, you know, and and for me, it's that time of year right now where I've been doing some work here on our uh, preseason magazine, which we've teased a little bit. I'm still not ready to like fully tease throughout all social media because I'm still working through exactly how this is going to look. But uh, part of that, I've been going through the high school incoming high school recruits. And I've, I've been going through and doing my own kind of scouting report on these guys and, and using guys like Alan Trio as, as a you know reference because he's seen these guys more than anybody, but um, trying to kind of give my own impressions of these players. And dude, I, yesterday I had a lot of time. I went through 15 players. I just, I had to turn it off. Dude, watching high school football... I don't know how these guys do it. I watched uh, there's a there's a incoming freshman Tyrell Henry from uh, Roseville, I believe. He had two separate thirty yard punt return touchdowns. That means that he received the punt on the other team's thirty yard line, which means that the punt was maximum 
30 yards down the field. You see that. You see the arm punts by the quarterbacks that are just flopping like a duck end over end. You see five foot nine, 200 pound defensive ends. It's just, I can only watch so much of it, man. And I'll, I'll get back to it another day coming up here soon. But like, I had to take a break, dude. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I usually don't make it beyond like the first 30 seconds of any highlight tape. Two reasons. One, you know, their first, their best plays are going to be early, right? So if you watch the first minute or so, you're going to get the best of the best. And two, it's just, it's, it's just like walking through the mud. Like, like you said, you just never really know how good a player is from watching high school. Anyway, regardless of like how well put together the highlight tape is like, okay, he's clearly the most athletic guy on this football field, but like, I don't know anything about who he's playing against and they could be the worst football team in the country. They could be the bad news bears. Um, so you never really know. I mean, obviously professional or yeah, I guess professional talent evaluators, they know what to look for in a player, regardless of what he's doing to the other players. And, and at the same, like they get to see them in person, which does make a difference because you can see the speed like in front of your face, right? It's, it's a lot more difficult to judge that stuff on film or you can see the power in person like there's certain things that you just you need to be there to see it and we just you know we're not being paid to do that so i'm not gonna do it and uh, i give those guys a lot of credit though it is fun though it's fun to watch those kids just pulverize the competition oh yeah um and i think actually it one of the reasons i love college football is because you get a little bit of that chaos of like massive mismatches sometimes or just players making wildly boneheaded decisions and like you still have a little bit of that youth in the game right that causes the chaos that causes the mental mistakes you wouldn't expect like the nfl it's a great product they are the best american football players in the world uh that's very obvious but the margins between competition are so thin that you rarely get like a trouble with the snap kind of moment because they just don't make those degree of mistakes. So in college football, you get like that. I don't want to call it stupidity, but just inconsistency of like the youth, the high school, but then also the high degree of talent and, and athleticism of high level athletes. It's the perfect blend. And to people who didn't grow up watching it, it, it doesn't make sense. Like out in Europe, when I talk to people about, watching university level football they're like well why would you do that why wouldn't you watch the professional i'm like well it's just it's it's not the same like it's it's impossible to explain it because like you said there's just certain elements where in the nfl you don't have wide receivers running 40 yards downfield with nobody within 30 yards from him because the coverage just completely busted and had no idea what to do on a play like from time to time you get that at college like and and that's fun and then sometimes in college that happens and the quarterback just misses him cuz he's not that good you know like it's it's beautiful it, there's a there's a certain beauty to the inconsistency and the insanity and the just total boneheaded mistakes that 18 to 19 year olds make that you like you said in the sterile perfected nfl where everything is being executed at the highest possible level you never see these kind of mistakes and those kind of mistakes are the beauty of college football that's what makes it so much fun and then you add the energy of the tribalistic kind of mentality of the crowd and everything around a university program and Yes, certain professional fan bases can kind of tap into that to a degree, but it's it's just not the same. And I think actually European soccer, though I'm sure they'd call it football, um, they can probably relate to that a little bit, right? Because you have like those standing room behind the goal sections of really drunk people who are all just like in one like hive mind together enjoying the experience and college football gets that i don't think you get that in the pros and it just brings that extra degree of energy to the game too um yeah it's just a perfect blend i have one funny story here that before we get to uh the the mailbag uh 
on that note. So uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before for new listeners. I live in Poland. And for those who didn't see, uh, this was going around Twitter for a little while. Travis Trice is playing for the basketball team here in the city that I live in, in Poland, in Wrocław. And his brother now is with the team too, Dimitrik, who played at uh, Wisconsin. So the the the, twi- the the brothers are out there just dominating the Polish basketball scene. <laughs> but me and my buddy went to a game and these fans are just, they it's like they don't know anything about the sport of basketball, but because, you know, it's it's like Barcelona has their football team, but they have the Barcelona basketball team and the Barcelona volleyball team. Like, it's just all within one sporting club. And it's the same thing here. And you get the vibe that it's just the football fans who, who are like, oh, the basketball team's playing? Let's go support, you know, because we got to show our support. And, dude, their own team, I, I'm not joking, your own team will be at the free throw line. They're banging drums. They're yelling as loud as they can because, you know, they're supporting their guys. I'm like, you guys just don't get this, do you? And then he'll miss. And then the next time up, they'll get even louder because they're like, oh, we, we weren't loud enough. We got to support her. You know, like, it's just so fun. They have no concept of like the etiquette of basketball fandom. <laughs> it's just hilarious. That's beautiful. It's just that like that soccer football thing where you're just cheering the whole game blindly. Yeah. It doesn't matter who has the ball, what end it's in, what the action's happening. You're just cheering. And then basketball, they do the same thing. <laughs> perfect so yeah we'll we'll get to uh we'll get to the mailbag here we got a bunch of good questions but speaking of basketball the final four is coming up this weekend uh duke north carolina villanova kansas maybe not the most exciting group but it should be some good games at the end of the day and you can get in on the action if you haven't already with DraftKings sportsbook turn your teams or the team of your choosings victory into your own big win new customers can get five dollars on any team to win bet five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if the sports book isn't available in your state yet you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings pools everyone can play free pools all march long for a shot at a share of over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in prizes just join the pool answer prop questions who will hit the most three pointers and so on track your results Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I finally conquered the if they win, you win uh, tagline there. So... Other news throughout uh, the program here before we get to the mailbag. Uh, one thing that I, we were going to bring up last episode, and we just we were going a little too long there, and and wanted to cut it off. Uh, the Brandon Jordan stuff. So he helped, he hosted his nose tackle retreat, which I thought was an awesome name. But um, a lot of pass rushing, a lot of defensive linemen from the NFL uh, last uh, earlier this week or last uh, weekend, I guess. Um, that was a big deal. And then the Spartan all access this week, you can check it out on YouTube. If you didn't see it, um, it was kind of focused on Brandon Jordan and he just seems like a really cool dude. Like he he just looks like a dude you would want to go sit down and have a few beers with his energy is really, um, really infectious, I think. And you can see that with the number of NFL guys, that he was able to work with and and you had people coming to East Lansing and this is a huge recruiting thing too NFL players pro bowl players first round picks University of Michigan alums who I know were just like seething walking through the Scandalaris center to go work with the best in the business but all of them said like hey this guy's the best I'll follow him anywhere if he wants to go train in Alaska um I'll go with them to train in Alaska, right? Like they, they really believe in what he's doing. And Mel Tucker talked about this on the all access show. And Mel Tucker's been around the NFL. He knows more than we do, but like 
NFL guys aren't going to waste their time with some trainer who's not going to make them better. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They can find whatever trainer that they want to find and pay them top dollar. They're going to go to the guy that they believe is making them better. And so for Brandon Jordan to be that guy for a huge list of NFL defensive linemen is a huge deal. And you just see like our guys are getting that same coaching and doing those same drills and that same attention every single day. That's really, really exciting. And his personality on top of that, like this, this isn't remember that mailbag question where it was like, is this the best assistant hire of all time? Like I'm starting to be like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to see how the years play out here. Um, What's really impressed me, I, wa- I didn't catch the all-access yet, but I watched his press conference from spring practice this, this week. And, yeah, his, his energy is infectious. He's super positive. You can tell you could probably just walk up to him and sling, like, a dozen insults at him and probably just smile and be like, nice, dude, and then just, like, go on about his business. Uh, I'm not endorsing that. Don't do that. Um, but what really impressed me is that he's he's built connections at, every level of football now in his press conference, he was talking about the fact that he came out of Austin P where he was, I don't know if he was a defensive line assistant. I don't know what his role was there, but he was involved with the program, maybe grad assistant. And he lost that job and he just started volunteering at a high school. He's like, I, well, I just want to help, help people play football. And I know if I can help, he had an interesting he said, I know if I can help high school players get better, then the college and the pro guys will be easy, which is definitely counterintuitive to somebody outside the realm of coaching. I think probably because college and pro guys are more receptive to coaching, but on the technical level, it seems like it'd be a lot harder, right? Because they're really getting into the nuance of the position and of the technique. But he, so he has this connection to high schoolers one of the reporters in his press conference asked him about recruiting and whether, you know, how that's been going for him. And he said, it's been great because he already has a lot of these guys already follow him. We know his social media presence is big. They already know who he is. Um, Obviously he has college connections now being a college coach and he has these NFL connections. So to be able to draw from all three of those pools, uh, not only in the way that he coaches, but in the way that he recruits, I think is going to be an enormous asset. Uh, We're obviously still waiting to see how, this first class with him goes. I mean, he landed Andrew DePepe, DePepe. Andrew uh, DePepe. Not just him, but uh, Marco Coleman, I think, was involved in that as well as Mel Tucker. But the team, the defensive line team, landed him. And there's plenty of high-level prospects in the defensive line position group uh, on the Jalen Thompson from Cast Tech was there uh, yesterday or yeah. two days ago. So, and he's working with the linebackers too. It's the interesting role of being a pass rush specialist is he can work with anyone. You know, he can work with the nickels coming off out of the slot. Uh, he can work. He's not just the D and I'm sure in any situation, a defensive line coach is helping the linebackers with pass rush too, typically, but it's just a unique position. He's a unique guy. He brings a lot of different perspective to, to this position. And it's, impressive to see Mel Tucker. We talk about this coaching staff's ability to see talent in players. The fact that they're often early for those high power five schools to get in on recruiting some of these guys, but the same can be said about Mel Tucker's ability to find Brandon Jordan. Again, was if you looked at his resume was current employment, high school volunteer. Okay. Come work as an on field coach at my power five football program that just won 11 games in the big 10. That's a lot of faith. And in a 35 ish year old, he graduated high school in 2005. I don't know exactly how old he is, but that would put him somewhere around 35. Um, A youngster with a pretty bleak resume up and coming, but I think Mel Tucker loves what he's doing on social. Obviously the NFL guys is a huge endorsement for him. His energy kind of speaks for itself and, what a find. He could be anywhere. I honestly think now he could walk into most college programs and find at least an analyst position, if not an on the field position. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, like, you know, all the recruiting stuff, it kind of works together. You mentioned like Marco Coleman's role can't be dismissed in this and too. And 
we know the kind of connections Mel Tucker has recruiting just with different high schools, with different powerhouse kind of places and Mel Tucker being able to get the foot in the door and then Brandon Jordan with his acumen and, and with his presence and with his energy, I feel like that's, that's a deadly combination recruiting defensive players. Right. And, and me, you and TJ were talking about this over text. And if this does turn into a situation where we're starting to recruit like top 100 type of defensive linemen more consistently, I don't think that there is anything more enjoyable in all of sports than your football team having a truly dominant defensive line. It's just, it's, it's completely demoralizing for any team that you go against because there is nothing you can do. If the other team's defensive line is completely dominating a game, there's nothing you can do. You can't run the ball. You can't pass the ball. It's just demoralizing. Like you remember, obviously, the Michigan games where we just absolutely dominated those games front, front to end. And it was just you, you watched Devin Gardner walk up to center knowing exactly what was going to happen and you could almost just see, you could you could feel it from the tv if you weren't there at the stadium you could you could feel it in the stadium where it was just like he knew exactly what was going to happen every time he walked up under center and he just had to take it yeah time. you know you know when you're playing tug of war and you have the two teams pulling and pulling and pulling and yanking and yanking and then it gets to the one point basically where you win when one team just like goes over the hump and falls forward and loses there's like a mental battle in in football that in sports in general that you can see in head to head sports where teams are battling and battling and battling and it gets to a point mentally if one team has the advantage for long enough where they fall over that hump and those Michigan games that's what it felt like like that offensive line just completely broke they're like we do not have the ability to stop any of these guys on any play and the ball would be snapped and they're just like all right how long is it going to take for us to lose this rep Um, (laughs) they just no confidence completely broken yeah, it is beautiful. Same thing goes for offensive line too. You watch like yeah. a dominant offensive line. Those some of those Wisconsin teams where they just roll up to the line and they're like, "We're going to get at least six yards every play." And if There's we're winning, you you've already it. lost because you cannot get us <laughs> off the field, and we do not have to throw the ball once. Right, like you would you would go up and and Wisconsin would have a third and two, and you would just mentally already move. It's All right, like what's okay, our first and ten defensive call? <laughs> yeah. Like the chain gang is already kind of starting to move. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, what, we all know what's going to happen here. So yeah. we've got a good we've got a good mailbag ahead of us here. Not not too many questions, but good questions, and that's the important part. Before we get to that, just to to promote something here. We're gonna do. Uh, we're gonna unveil our um, our first contest here next week. First prerequisite is to subscribe to the podcast. So if you're not subscribed, make sure you're doing that right now. Just get ahead of it. Do it now. If you're listening and you're not subscribing, I don't know what you're doing at this point, but make sure you're subscribed. If it's Apple, if it's Spotify, wherever you're listening, make sure you're subscribed or following. Um, please leave a review. We really appreciate that. That's going to be part of this as well. Um, and follow us on social. If you're if you're heading over to the Facebook group, is the Standing Room Spartans community. The Twitter is at Standing Room MSU. Scott is at Spartan Martin eighteen. All of those links are in the show notes, so you can just go click on the link real quick. It'll take you two seconds. Throw a little follow over there, and uh, yeah, make sure you're following what we're doing here because we've got a lot of plans here from now until the season starts so from the social we've got some good questions here uh for the mailbag and first is from the facebook group our guy sean vergovin he said does the offense have the personnel to continue to run the flea flicker as efficiently as we did last year obviously the flea flicker being a fan favorite um we can do kind of short answer long answer with that because i think there's an interesting avenue to get to just generally play action. Like we, with the running backs, we talked a lot about um, the running game and how that's going to be impacted. And with the offensive line and how that's going to be impacted without Kenneth Walker. But with 
the play action game. And Jay Johnson said last year that the flea flicker was basically just an extension of the play action game. Um, how is that impacted by the loss of Kenneth Walker, uh, especially, and obviously the, the offensive linemen that are, are leaving too, but uh, I would say mostly the departure of Kenneth Walker. It hurts. Um, what Kenneth Walker does to a defense, everyone's eyes are on him. You're committing more guys. I hate when they say you're committing more guys to the box because it's kind of a, a little bit of a lazy football take. Like positioning does not always equal strategy. And, you know, when when teams are getting the ball run down their throat, they, why don't we just put eight guys in the box? Well, <laughs> yeah. can't. let's slow down. But it causes the safeties to watch the running back for – a half beat longer than they typically would to see what the heck is going on. And when that running back gets the ball and everybody on the field on the defensive side is terrified at what he can do to a defense, they, that flea flicker becomes deadly. And that's why it works so well for us. And if you have just a good running back back there, those safeties can say, all right, he's good. He might get his four yards, but my guys will take care of it up there and I'll clean it up if something leaks through. Right. And at that point, you're just you're sticking to your responsibilities and saying, All right, I have the deep third on this play, like I'm I'm playing deep third, whatever. But yeah, when Kenneth Walker gets the ball and you're like, All right, screw my responsibility. I gotta go get that guy. Yeah, it's eleven <laughs> helmets to the ball because it's gonna take all eleven to get him to the ground. That's why it works so well. So short answer, no, it's not gonna be as effective. Um I'm guessing that's probably where Sean's head was at too when he wrote up this question. He just wanted to hear us talk about it. Um, and and we're going to take it a little bit further and just talk a little bit about the play action in general and what we can expect from our play action game this year. Obviously, a lot of it depends on, well, how good our, is our running game going to be? And that's one of the big question marks when we've talked about the running backs and when we've talked about, about the offensive line so far this spring. We don't know how good our running game is going to be. I think both of us are a little bit nervous about our ability to run the ball, uh, given the personnel and just not necessarily the fact that they aren't good players, but that they're inexperienced or at least inexperienced at Michigan State. Um, so the play action in general, Kevin, I'll let you take it where you, I don't think it'll be as good for the same reasons I laid out for the flea flicker. But what, what are your thoughts? No, it, it won't be as effective as it was last year. The The one thing I will say is I think – the effectiveness of the run game in relation to the success of the play action game is a little bit overrated in football. I think you don't have to have a great running game to be effective in play action. Like, you know, people talk about like the Tennessee Titans only are good at play action because they have Derrick Henry. It's like, well, it, that's not really true. Like as long as you have a product, you have to have a productive running game. I don't, it doesn't, you don't have to have a great running game, but you have to at least be a threat, right? And as, as long as you're a threat and you're willing to run the ball at something near a 50% clip, then all it takes is the linebackers to make their first step be forward and not backwards. And like you said, it could be the safety, and those are where the big plays happens or when the safety does the same thing, right? But all you need is is for the linebackers to respect the run enough that their first step is forward, and then that receiver gets behind the linebacker a little bit easier, and then you get a 15-yard completion, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be this deadly 60-yard touchdown every play, Um so yeah, I I think the play action it, it I think the running game will be remotely effective next year or you know relatively maybe bottom third of the Big 10 to be honest. Um again, when you look at the numbers last year we were 6th in the Big 10 even with Kenneth Walker. So I would expect that to drop down to 8th or ninth, something like that if you know we kind of expect the regression and I think it it'll be enough that the play action is still effective just because of of the just because of how it affects linebackers more than anything but I I don't it, it won't be like last year. We won't be getting a 50 plus yard touchdown off of flea flickers or play actions just about every week like we did last year. Like that was an anomaly. That was insane. That's not going to happen again. And another factor here is we don't know how our receiving threat 
deep threats will translate. Obviously, Jaden Reed was on, I don't know, maybe half the flea flickers on the other end of half of them last year, and he'll still be around. But the the loss of Jalen Naylor and his ability to blow through the top of any defense also dramatically impacts the ability to to hit those flea flickers. That said, I think Montori Foster, that first big reception he had this year was if I think it was a flea flicker. Yeah, it was a flea flicker in the Maryland game. Yeah. So that'll still be around. Jay Johnson will still try to use it. Um, but that said, you never know what Jay Johnson will scheme up. Um, he turned a gimmick last year into probably six or seven touchdowns. I don't know what the final count was. Um, and it, that might not be there this year, but the, he, he was creative enough to see the possibility with the personnel that he had to turn that into a major advantage. And just because it may not be a flea flicker this year, doesn't mean we're not going to have those slight nuanced personnel advantages that offensive coordinators, good offensive coordinators can turn into major advantages. So this year it may not be a flea flicker. It may be the jet sweep or double reverse, who knows, you know, and it doesn't have to be a trick play either. It can just be something in the playbook that he knows his personnel run to perfection against most competition and, uh, and he'll get the most out of them. So if he's the coordinator that we hope he is and that he was last year, he'll find his new, his new tricks and his new strengths. Yeah. And, and you've talked a lot last year about how you wanted to see Peyton Thorne on the run a little bit more, maybe those, play action yards come from more like bootleg kind of stuff where we're getting him out on the run and and giving him the option to take off and run if if there's nothing available that maybe that's the wrinkle we see a little bit more this year um speaking of flea flickers and play action you need a running back if you want to do that kind of stuff so uh we had a question here from hogard season at daddy hogard who asked how would you rank the running back room very simple here. So Scott, how would you rank the running back room? So last week I had three tiers, pretty clearly three tiers of running backs. You had Berger and Broussard in the first tier. You had Collins and Simmons in the second tier, and you had Prim and Eaglin in the third tier as kind of unknowns. Um, largely still the same, but this Davion Prim chatter has gotten in my head a little bit. Um, I don't have enough to really like make a strong statement about him. There's just not enough film. Like you said earlier, we're not at practice. We're not watching these guys. We're going off of one comment Mel Tucker made and a couple comments from reporters basically. Uh, And I think William Piegler, like his last press conference before going down to his new gig said something about, Hey, keep your eye on this kid. He's going to do some things. So maybe you could throw, Davion Prim into that second tier with Simmons and Collins, but very different story, obviously. Uh, very, he's on the front end of his career at Michigan State. The other two guys are mid to back end of their time here. Um, but to put it just straight up rankings, I'll go bottom to top. Number six, I'll go with uh, Donovan Eaglin. Uh, just haven't seen anything from him really different type of running back. Maybe he'll find a niche package. Maybe he'll be a goal line short yardage guy. You can just push a linebacker backwards for a couple of yards. But um, at this point really haven't seen much from him five. um, I still got to put Davion Prim there until I see him on the field. I mean, I'd love for him to be three, four, but he's still young and he's just, he has not been on the field at all. So I'm not going just off of a, a comment from a press conference to put him any higher. Uh, three and four is tough. So Eli Collins versus Jordan Simmons. I've always liked the way that Eli Collins runs a little bit more. He's a little more patient. He can make a couple more cuts and he, I think he's a little bit more explosive through the hole. Jordan Simmons runs a little bit better pad level. Um, and probably has a little bit more burst when he chooses to employ it, but he just keeps his head down way too much and just does not, he doesn't see the field. So I'll give the edge at number three to Eli Collins. I'll put Simmons at four, one, two. It's tough. I know you you've talked about them as one, a one B as kind of both number ones. I'll put Jarek Broussard at number one and Jalen Berger at number two. Again, it's kind of a fruitless exercise because they run such a different style. So I don't really think it's it's fair to say one's better or worse than the other. But Jarek Broussard, I think, has a higher upside 
with his athleticism um, and, and the way that he can and move in the open field. So that's my six, uh, Kevin, any you know, agree, disagree? I'll echo a lot of, a lot of what you said there. Number one, Jarek Broussard, number two, Jalen Berger. I think those are, you know, I, I think that's a clear one and number two, like I, I think it would be tough to put Berger at one and I think it would be tough to put anybody above Berger. So like that's your one and your two. Number three, I will go Harold Joyner. Um, again, it, it's oh my God, to, I keep I, forgetting about him. Yeah, <laughs> I it's similar to what you said between the top two. Like he is so different than anyone on the roster that ranking him is it feels really weird because how do you just fit in? He's not a running back. Like he's a he's six foot four. He's a pass catching guy. Like it's it's really difficult to rank his skill set compared to a Jordan Simmons. They're completely different players. But I'll put him at number three. I I'll have some fun. I'll bite. I'll bite. Davion Prim number four. Let's go. Um, why not? I, I just you know I, I like to have some fun with that one. And it's it's more of an indictment of the other guys because I'll put Eli Collins number five. Just haven't seen the juice since 2019, and uh, I really hope it comes back, but it's just tough to believe that it's still there. And I would rather just kind of bet on the upside of Davion Prim and the mystery box. Right. Um, and I'll put Jordan Simmons right behind Eli Collins. Like you said, it's similar to what you said. I think both of them are in that same bucket, but Jordan Simmons, man, he's just, he's so frustrating to watch run the football. And I just, I was really pushing for him before going into last year. And it just seemed like he, the things that he doesn't do well are going to be really difficult for him to improve on. Right. So I just, I, I don't see it for him. And then, uh, yeah, Donovan Eagle and I just, again, kind of a mystery box, but without as much upside as Prim. And then, uh, you know, shout out at the bottom there, Caleb Wolf Jr. out of Wayland, Michigan. Uh, I think he's a walk on, but got to give him a shout out there. Caleb Wolf. He is uh, five foot ten, one hundred eighty-five pounds. Walked on during the twenty twenty-one season, rounding out the bottom of the list. Yeah, I got to throw Harold Joiner in mind because I forgot him for a second episode in a row. Uh, I'll put him at number three, also just based on value to the team. He's got a couple packages that he comes in on. So if you can find your way onto the field and you can, uh, you know, make a difference, then you got some value. I guess we can use that as a measure of you know, how to rank these guys. So throw Joyner at three, knock the rest of the guys down uh, four through seven or eight, yeah, if we're, including Mr. Wolf. Right. So next question, I, I, I don't think we'll really dip into this one. This is from FBI's least wanted. Uh, is O-line as concerning as the media is making it out to be this week? We literally have an episode on Monday, which is us talking about how we are very concerned about the offensive line. So if you're curious about the answer to this question, just go listen to that. The The one note I will add is from the spring. You, you kind of touched on it earlier. There are seven healthy offensive linemen right now. And uh, some of the players have talked about it. Chris Kapilovich has talked about it. And it makes practice really tough because you would like to be rotating the guys in and getting everybody reps, but also giving guys a breather. And that's just not, an option right now and Kapilovich has kind of talked about he's like you're you you have to balance it a little bit uh, because on one hand you want to get everybody involved and you want to see what you have in everybody and and you want to get these guys a breather but on the other hand the guys that are available are available and spring practice is really valuable and you don't get this time back. So he's like, there's no sense in trying to baby these guys and give them more breaks than they deserve. They got to just go out there and practice. And so um, Spencer Brown has talked about it as like an opportunity to, you know, really get as many reps as possible. And that's awesome for certain guys for Spencer Brown, who we talked about, like he's really being counted on to take a big leap this year. He's getting a ton of reps in the spring, which is great. Um, Kevin Wigginton was a guy that has been brought up as like, 
I don't think he would be getting this many reps if everyone was healthy, but he's out there, he's available, he's getting the reps and he's showing, you know, some of his ability. And so it's, it's good for a lot of these guys to just get peppered with, with practice reps, because these are super valuable at this time of the year. And remember on that seven figure, Brian Green is not on campus uh, and he's expected to contribute this fall. So, and four incoming freshmen will be there uh, for camp in tw- in uh, in the fall, right? So you have probably not guys who are expected to play, but at least bodies to practice, right? Yeah. <laughs> and in a pinch, if you had to, you could play. I'm not saying you'd want to, but uh, it's not like we're going to roll out with seven jerseyed offensive linemen. Uh, right. At this one. point. At this point right now, it's it's literally more of a conversation of just the logistical side of practicing, like where yeah. you just you would like to have as many guys in there as you can just so that you can have a practice like the but, downside, uh, obviously, is is the opportunity lost to build chemistry on your first team. Yeah, um, it's I mean, offensive line more than probably any other position group is about chemistry. It's about knowing your guys, their strengths and weaknesses um, and, and just being comfortable with them, learning to trust them. We've seen issues in, with that in the past with heavy rotations. And it's, I think it's one of the reasons last year we saw that line change approach of like your, your first line offensive line and your second line, where at least for the, the interior three uh, you're playing next to the same guys all the time. And right now we're just, we're losing that opportunity to, to grow next to the guys you're going to for sure be playing next to in the fall. Um, that said, there would be, regardless, if everyone is healthy, there would still be position battles, playing time battles. So you'd still be rotating guys. But, um, obviously when guys aren't on the field, it's not just about the physical reps and the technical reps, but the, the mental, and I I guess you could call it emotional or relationship reps as well. So yeah, all things considered to bring it back to the mailbag question and kind of wrap this one up. It's, it's definitely concerning. It's probably I don't know about you, Kevin, my top concern for this team looking ahead to the fall is, is this offensive line going to be ready to play? Is it going to be any good? Are we going to have enough bodies? Um, it's yeah. If, if you told me, okay, it's January 10th next year, 2023, and we, we won four games. What happened? Well, our offensive line fell apart. That's, that would be my explanation right, right now. And the last note is from uh, Stephen Brooks brought this up and it was something I hadn't even thought about, but this likely means that we will not get a normal spring game, a quote unquote normal. It'll probably look a lot like it, what it did last year. Cause you're not going to have a full two units of offensive linemen that can sustain two offenses to have some kind of scrimmage. So probably look like a, a last year, just because of the the bodies available again that's just logistical stuff uh last question here and something that we'll dig into a little bit more than the question is being asked luke baker lw baker 33 is Jaden reed a top five wide receiver in the country so we'll get into that a little bit i'm not fully prepared to answer that question but we wanted to take this a little bit and we'll go through it pretty quick we're not going to go full deep dive here but um, it was since we talked about all the offensive positions, I wanted to look at this and say, all right, the top player that we perceive at each position on offense, kind of where would you rank them in the Big Ten? Like how many guys across the Big Ten would you take over this player? And I say the Big Ten because I, I feel pretty confident knowing the rest of the Big Ten teams. I, I know a lot about college football, but I, I'm not fully prepared to say how, exactly how many quarterbacks in college football I would take over Peyton Thorne. Like that's just that's a discussion I'll be ready to have in August, not in in March. So let's start there. Let's start with Peyton Thorne. So if you look from last year in in the stats for the Big Ten, um. Almost everybody's coming back. So CJ Stroud led the... I'll just sort this by passing yards because it's it's an easy one to sort through. Number one was CJ Stroud. He's coming back. Number two, Talia Tagovailoa at Maryland. He is coming back. Aiden O'Connell, number three at Purdue. He is coming back. Peyton Thorne, number four, obviously is coming back. Sean Clifford at Penn State coming back. Number five, 
Number six, Adrian Martinez. He transferred somewhere, uh, Oregon or something. I can't remember from Nebraska. Uh, Cade McNamara, obviously back at Michigan. Tanner Morgan back for like 10th year at, at Minnesota. Graham Mertz back at Wisconsin. Everybody's back, basically. So probably we're looking at this top couple guys here. CJ Stroud, Talia Tagovailoa, Aiden O'Connell, Peyton Thorne, Sean Clifford, Michigan quarterback. Where? How many of those guys would you for sure take over Peyton Thorne? For sure. Right. One. That's right. CJ Stroud. Correct. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa is not a better quarterback. He is, if there is, if there has ever been a volume shooter in football, <laughs> it is Talia Tagovailoa. The dude throws Did you the ball like fifty-five times a Friday, game. I think it was a Friday night game where they played Iowa. Yeah, last like six year. picks. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I don't know if it, it was probably like four. It just feels like six. It but. was. Uh, I got it up here. He had one hundred fifty-seven yards, two touchdowns, and five interceptions. <laughs> Yeah, he's he he definitely shows flashes of brilliance. Uh, you know, he he shoots his shot, but sometimes it works and other times it absolutely doesn't. He's just a stat patter. We've always seen guys like that at the quarterback position. Uh, if I was well, I'm not going to be unbiased here, but I'll try to be <laughs> unbiased. I'd put Aiden O'Connell and um Peyton Thorne as like a 2A 2B. Yeah, uh, same page. Aiden O'Connell's a great quarterback. I think Peyton Thorne's a great quarterback. And I also think, I don't know how much uh, flack this will get me, but I think Michigan's quarterbacks are better than we like to give them credit for. Uh, Cade McNamara torched us in East Lansing last year for at least three quarters and mostly the whole game. He played a really strong game and made some really strong throws, especially through the teeth of our defense. Um when the Michigan coaching staff and play callers allowed him to open it up, he did really well. And a lot of their fan base, especially the JJ McCarthy lovers like to use the fact that he throws a lot of short yardage stuff against him, against Cade McNamara. Um, But it's kind of like the old Tom Brady, you know, system quarterback argument back when he was with the Patriots, like just because he throws checkdowns all the time and they work, doesn't mean he's a bad downfield passer. It just means that's all their offense has to do. That's all the risk they have to take to be effective. And in Michigan, to their credit, I mean, they won the Big Ten last year. They went to the college football playoff. You can't say they have a bad system when it's working that well. That's all that they had to ask Cade McNamara to do to be successful last season. So I don't think he – I think he or J.J. McCarthy would probably be my number four in the Big Ten. Uh, I'll put them right there. But that's where I would, uh, yeah, that's where I'd put them all. Yeah, I think I think you got the line right. It's C.J. Stroud. You would for sure take over Peyton Thorne, and then I don't think there's another quarterback that I would say like, yeah, I would definitely take him. I think somewhere there's Thorne and O'Connell, and I really don't know which way. You know, you said Talia is in a is in a pass happy offense. It's the same deal with Aiden O'Connell, but. Man, through 71% completion percentage, 28 touchdowns last year. He's he was really good. Um, so I'll I'll try I'll play the objective role for now and, and I'll say I'll say Peyton Thorne third in the conference returning for next year behind uh Stroud and o- and uh Aiden O'Connell. So, so running backs wait quick. I clarification yeah. question on the quarterbacks um because i think there's more to just the way that they physically play i think peyton thorne's leadership skills are really starting to shine so if you were a head coach or an offensive coordinator and you had both of those guys on your team not saying which one do you think is more gifted as a passer but which one would you rather build a team around yeah i mean shoot i don't know like i don't, I don't know anything about aiden o'connell as a person so it's it's yeah. hard to say like we we all know and love Peyton Thorne, so this this is the one where it's impossible for me to be <laughs> objective yeah. about it. With with the talent on the field, I can at least pretend to be objective. With this, it's impossible. So I I don't even have an answer. All right, well I'm taking Peyton Thorne. There you go. <laughs> uh, running backs. So returning in the Big Ten again, just 
sorting by rushing yards. Kenneth Walker was number one. He's gone. Hassan Haskins was number two. He's gone. Uh, but uh, Tyler Goodson, number five, is gone uh, from Iowa. And then you've got a lot of guys coming back. So number, th- I'll start. So if if we look at our number one rank, running back, we both just ranked him, Jarek Broussard. How many of these Big Ten running backs would we take above Jarek Broussard? I'll start this off. Braylon Allen at Wisconsin. This kid's an absolute freak show. He is. He was a true freshman last year. 6'2", 240 pounds. He probably runs a 4'4". I would take him over almost anybody in the country, let alone our guy. That's a locked and loaded uh, yes. Travion Henderson at Ohio State, same way. If you watched anything that Travion Henderson did last year, you would be like, yep, he's better than anything we have on the roster. Yeah, and I think both of those guys yep. are Heisman. Or, I, I would not yeah. be surprised if either of those guys won the Heisman this year. Right. So one and two, I, I would even say however you want to order those two guys is clear in the Big Ten going into next year. There is no bones about it. Um, so then you had Evan Hull from Northwestern at number six. He, I believe, is he's coming back. Um, you have, <clears throat> and remember, he ripped off one long run against us week one, but generally was bottled up. Chase Brown at Illinois, he had a thousand yards, uh, six yards a carry. He's coming back. Blake Corum from Michigan is coming back. Uh, one name, you know, before we go down the list too much further, I don't think there's too many names that are are too relevant. But Mo Ibrahim at Minnesota is coming back for another year. He was injured almost all of the, he tore his ACL week one last year. But that was a kid who is unbelievably talented, multiple thousand yard rushing seasons. Uh, he had 15 touchdowns in seven games in 2020 so um mo ibrahim is a guy you have to to consider towards the top of that list so i will say Jarek broussard so you have braylon allen travion henderson and mo ibrahim i think are three guys no brainer you would take them above Jarek broussard and then personally i think blake corum is his speed is really really dangerous and that's that's one of those kind of x factor things that it's hard to ignore i would take blake corum probably above uh jarek broussard chase brown um at, from illinois uh i think that's kind of where where we're at so i think there are what four guys i would definitely take so i think broussard is somewhere in that fifth sixth running back uh, coming into the Big Ten next year. Yeah, I was interested to see where you'd put uh, Broussard versus Corum. Um, I think similar roles, likely. I mean, we don't know exactly what uh, Jared Broussard's role will be at Michigan State, but similar kind of archetypes as running backs, uh, speed backs, like to play around the outside, uh, shifty guys. But I agree. I think Blake Corum can do – most of what Jarek Broussard can do, but he has that speed to blow the top off the defense that Broussard is missing. Um, so I'd put him a little bit higher. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is a tough one too, because we just don't know what Jarek Broussard will be as a Michigan State running back. We talked about it when we were going through the running backs that when Broussard was at Colorado, especially last year, they were a disaster uh, of a football team. So his numbers were lower than 2020 uh, speaking on averages per game, but he did not have a lot of help. You mentioned on that episode, they were passing a lot. So it's, it's really hard to know how it will translate. And obviously we've, we've touched on this a lot lately, but the offensive line you're running behind is a huge factor as well. Minnesota and Wisconsin specifically and Michigan really gear their teams towards running the ball really well on offense um with their the way that they organize their offensive line and the the schemes that they run um so you know obviously it attracts better running back talent as well but it can make the guys look better and i know michigan state wants to get there um but if we look back on this conversation in 12 months and we say you know why (laughs) 
what was Broussard compared to what we thought he was, I think there's going to be a lot of contextualizing we have to do as well. So it's going to be really hard to watch this season if the offensive line it does end up being shaky and say black and white, this is how good Jarek Broussard was or is. Yeah, totally agree. The other name worth noting here just for this discussion going into next year is uh, Penn State signed the number one running back in the 2022 class, Nick Singleton. So he's an incoming freshman. So we have no idea what to expect. But the number one running back in the country, I, I think, is worth noting in this discussion somewhere in there. Um, wide receivers. So this is kind of where the question went to was Jaden Reed. It's pulling the numbers here. The the top receiver coming back in the Big Ten again. It's a no brainer. I don't think there's any discussion. Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. But of the top 10 receivers from last year in the Big Ten, only four of them are coming back. Guys like David Bell, Jahan Dotson, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, um, Samari Toure from, from Nebraska. Like These guys are all gone. So it opens up kind of a void. And, and Jackson Smith and Jigba obviously is filling that with the number one spot. Jaden Reed is the second leading receiver coming back for next season with over a thousand yards. Um, other than that, you have the other names, I guess that would be worth noting Parker Washington from Penn state. He was the number two from last year, expected to be the number one this year, Milton Wright at Purdue. Same thing. He was a number two guy last year with David Bell gone. He'll step into that number one role. And then, you know, the intriguing part, that we're not 100% sure about, but I guess we could take a pretty good guess at when we're talking about the best receivers in the conference. Uh, some of those Ohio State guys are leaving, but that means new Ohio State guys are coming up. So how do you fit Marvin Harrison Jr. into this discussion? How do you fit Emeka Egbuka into this discussion? Guys that we really only saw in the Rose Bowl, but man, Marvin Harrison Jr. had three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. Like that's, that's somebody we got to account for at the top of the conference for next year. But for me, for my money, I think Jaden Reed is the number two receiver coming back in the Big Ten next year behind uh, only Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah, the way that I, again, football is such a connected sport that you got to, you have to do your best to take this objectively, take them out of their scheme and take, the athlete for what he is himself. And so if I look at this and I say, how many guys could you put on this Michigan state roster and expect to be more effective than Jaden Reed? Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba is, is better um, was last year. And I expect him to continue to be better. Marvin Harrison looked great. It's similar to the Penn state kid. You just mentioned at running back. It's really hard to know because the sample size is so small. I think he could have a better season than Jaden Reed, but if you put him on our roster, I think Jaden Reed is a better wide receiver. Another one. I don't think you mentioned that got a little bit of chatter on social media this week was Ronnie bell. Um, he was injured. Oh yeah. The entire season. I or, completely I forgot about Ronnie Bell. Week three, I think he got injured. He was expected to have a huge season last year, be a leader. I think he was a captain for Michigan last season. Um, I think Jaden Reed's a better wide receiver than Ronnie Bell. Uh, injury aside, but it's a name you can't ignore as we inch our way closer to this, this fall. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd still put him at number two, but wide receiver is such a fun position in the big 10. And there was a huge turnover last season, which means there's going to be huge stars that come out of the woodwork this year. There's guys that we have not talked about yet on this episode. Probably don't, we don't even know their names yet who will be on all big 10 lists, uh, by the end of this year. So it's one of the, and if there's an Ohio State fan that's going to try to fight me on Marvin Harrison Jr. over Jaden Reed, like you said, like maybe he has a better season. Maybe he is a better player. But I've seen a sample size of Jaden Reed with over 2,000 yards and 20-plus touchdowns in college, and I've seen Marvin Harrison with like 100 yards and three touchdowns. So I'm going to take what I've seen and what I know. And Jaden Reed, we talk about the guys that got overshadowed last season in terms of performance, you had Kenneth Walker stole the show. Peyton Thorne was kind of your, your number two, like had an incredible season that was overshadowed. Jaden Reed is 
absolutely equal to that on that list. He had an incredible season at wide receiver for Michigan State last year. Maybe not the greatest statistical year ever. Obviously, he's not the player Charles Rogers was back in the day. But he, the plays that he made, I mean, for the folks that watched every game, and I'm sure there's plenty listening, the plays that he made were outstanding. And at his size, at only six foot, you know, we talked about this before we started recording. He doesn't look like the biggest, strongest guy on the field when he's padded up, um, but he makes plays. Uh, his his technical understanding has to be through the roof to use his frame to make the plays that he does, especially in tighter coverage. I mean, yes, he's a shifty guy. Yes, he can blow the top off a of defense. Yes, he can run great routes and get separation. But even when a dude's draped all over him, at his size, his ability to get to the ball, to shield the ball, to make the play is outstanding. And I think it's overlooked a little bit after the season that we had. You know, he made some great plays, but he was a star last year. And uh, and I think it's gonna he's he's gonna go to the stratosphere this season. I think him and Peyton Thorne, assuming they can get enough time in the pocket to get the ball off, this is gonna be their offense this year. And I think it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and an, another thing that was making its rounds on Twitter recently was Greg Newsom, former Northwestern corner, first-round draft pick to the Cleveland Browns, now playing in the NFL. He quote-tweeted a, uh, I think it was a PFF uh, tweet, and he said that Jaden Reed is the best in college football. Now, I don't know the backstory. Maybe these guys are boys. Maybe they grew up together. Um, Greg Newsom went to Northwestern, Jaden Reed's from Illinois. I don't know, but it's high praise from a guy that you played against, um, who, who's out in the league right now. So that was interesting as well. Um, tight ends really quick. Um, I would say Daniel Barker is probably our number one. Um, and I would think he is right there with the top of the tight ends coming back. I, I haven't done extensive research on this, but if you look at the all Big Ten teams from last year for tight ends, all four guys who got voted, whether it's coaches or media, are all gone. And Daniel Barker is a guy that I know Illinois fans even last year were saying he should have gotten consideration for the second or third team. So Daniel Barker right there with the top of the conference next year at tight end. Uh, and then the offensive line, we were thinking, you know, we'll just take the number one guy on the offensive line. Can we agree on Jarrett Horst if he's healthy and playing as the best offensive lineman on the team? I I think if so. If you want to give me J.D. Duplain, I, I could I was going to say, I think Duplain, just because we've seen so much of him and he's pretty consistent. Um, I think Horst is a better player, but I don't think it's a huge difference. And I don't think either one is, is climbing to the top of the rankings in the Big Ten. As far yeah. as offensive linemen go, I don't know. There's so many offensive linemen. I'm really well, not so, prepared to answer this. But so I don't know just how deep looking you at the All Big Ten teams last year at tackle, because I was I was looking at this from uh, from the Jarrett Horst, Horst point of view. First team: uh, Nicholas Petit Friere and Daniel Falele. They are both gone. Uh, Andrew Stuber from Michigan is gone. Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern is back. He got a media first team. Uh, and coaches second team uh logan bruss from wisconsin is back he was a second team guy ryan hayes from michigan is back he was a second team from the coaches um so there there's a good amount of of top level uh big 10 tackle talent coming back um i know rashid walker was the third team guy from penn state is gone uh but you know from the the big all big 10 team from last year here. About half of those guys are coming back. And Jarrett Horst was an honorable mention in only eight games. So we kind of talked about, you know, him. I, I think he could sneak in like a third team. So that's, you know, what your sixth best tackle in the Big Ten. I think that's a pretty reasonable spot for him to fill in there. Yeah, again, it's tough at this position. It's it's tough enough to evaluate offensive linemen. I'm not an expert in that position. Um, and you, it's one of those kind of like refs, you really notice them a lot more <laughs> when they're doing poorly. Um, and when you're frustrated with them and when things go well, you're not, you know, you're not watching a 60 yard flea flicker from Peyton Thorne to Jaden Reed going Jared horse blocked that play up real well, you know? <laughs> so it's tough, uh, to give them their, their due credit. Um, I, yeah, Jared horse, 
I sure we can go with him as the better, but uh, of the of our of our group. But yeah, it's uh, I don't think we got anybody at the uh, top of the sport here on the offensive line yeah. this year. Maybe they'll surprise us. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it's Brian Green. I don't know. Um, so, so we'll get out of here. We've, we've gone over the hour. We always try to keep these under an hour, but mailbags, we get loose. I had a bourbon in my hand to be honest. So, you know, that, that always tends to extend it out at least 10 minutes. So, uh, but I think we extended this one for good reason. I think we had some good stuff there. So hopefully everybody agrees. Subscribe if you haven't already. Um, again, next week we're going to do a little giveaway. So make sure you're subscribed so that you get all of the information about that and that you get your first kind of qualification for entry. So whether you're on, on Apple or Spotify, make sure you're following or subscribing to the show. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all of that fun stuff. Anything else before we get out of here, Scott? No, thanks for sticking with us. It was a longer one than usual, but uh, it was fun. The mailbag got us rolling, and uh, we didn't stop ourselves. So if you're still with us, again, thank you. Next week is defense. So next week we're going to start getting through the defensive line, linebackers, corners, safeties, specialists. We can't forget our specialists. And uh, get you guys ready for the spring game, spring practice, whatever it is. It's probably going to look like last year, but we'll get you ready for it either way. So until next week, hope you guys have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.